Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. I think for the last four preaching times I've been stuck at home in the office looking down my computer screen through Zoom. So this dear old pulpit, I want to give a big hug this morning. <laughs> I didn't think this pulpit would ever look so good, but uh, yeah, it's, it's good to be back here. Um, this morning I wanted to be able to uh, share a little bit about the Great Commission. Um, the Great Commission post-COVID-19, uh, because a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen with the church post COVID, you know, things are changing differently all around the world. What's going to actually happen post-COVID? Since day one, since the church is established, the Great Commission has been the priority of the church. It's been the priority of the local church. It's been the priority of the international church. Nothing has changed. Nothing will change. But things will adapt. Things will morph. Things will be tweaked. Things will have to um, be sensitive to the hour. So there will be adjustments taking place. Um, Pastor James talked um, earlier the year about attractional churches and missional churches, part of the paradigm shift which is going on post-COVID. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that again because that's part of the dynamic of the changing landscape, not of this church, but the global church. Really, really important. You know, when uh, 9-11 took place in New York all those years ago, um, they said that changed the world. Uh, it would never be the same. And I suspect because of COVID hitting our planet the way it has, it will change the world. It has changed the world. But in the face of the Great Commission, things will be the same, but they will be totally different. It's one of those oxymorons. Things will be the same, but they will be totally different. Post-COVID, the mission of the church will be different, uh, but it will be the same. Uh, the global church needs to adjust and adapt with the times. You've got to be flexible, you've got to be nimble, you've got to be dexterous, you've got to adjust with what's actually happening. Pastor Viv two weeks ago said that for a whole week she had something rattling around in her brain. It wasn't a loose screw, it, it may well be, um, but I, it was the word pivot. Can you remember that? The word pivot. Pivot means adjusting, uh, flexing, being um, robust. You know, my background in medical, um, especially with the orthopedics, you have to be nimble. You have to pivot. They've actually got pivot joints in the body. So if you've got a wrist, that's pivoting. But it does, doesn't do it on one plane. It's designed to actually move and rotate. It's designed to be pivotal. And it's the same with the elbow. It's designed to be with the arm. You know, Every joint that we actually have, I've got to hang on to this, I'm getting a bit older now, but the legs will do exactly the same thing. Um, one, pro, one, one reason probably why I don't, don't I don't dance too well is because I'm not that dexterous. I'm not that pivotal anymore. Uh, they say white men can't dance, you know. So I, I have struggling just to wiggling my hips, you know. So, but other people do it naturally. But the thing is, we've got to be pivotal in our, in our generation. We've got to pivot with the times. We've got to be dexterous. We have to learn to adapt with the Great Commission. This church here at Faith Point will be unapologetic about putting the Great Commission first. The priority, the, priority, the, the priority of the church is the Great Commission. Always has been, always will be. But what you'll find is that the flow will be the same, but there'll be certain things within the flow that have to adjust, that will have to tweak, that need 
to be um, a correction a little bit. Next slide there. Uh, and then what you'll see also, that right from the beginning of this COVID thing, God spoke prophetically about having to break traditions. And there's lots of things that actually creeped into the church. Even the Great Commission and traditions have come in. So the, the Great Commission has been locked up, it's been restricted, it has been limited. And like COVID's come in like a storm, but it's broken some of those traditions. But the glass windows in the churches, the stained glass windows been broken. But it's like the God is going to give new lenses so the church can actually see. The light of the gospel will come into the church and come out of the church in a fresh way, in a new way. We will get new lenses. Uh, it won't be the same anymore. It will adjust. Um, part of the kingdom move of God is taking place is a reestablishing not so much of denominations, but a kingdom-based church. And we see churches doing mission by themselves, and that's been good. But there's been collaborations, and a lot of those collaborations have just been within a denomination. But I'm sensing globally what's happening post-COVID is there's going to be greater collaboration of the church corporate. It won't be so much about a man or a ministry, which is very distinct, or a personality. It's going to be about guys and girls standing back to back, shoulder to shoulder, irrespective of race, denomination, background. There's going to be a fluidness taking place. It's part of us doing Mission together. The body, obviously, with the joints and everything, isn't designed to be fixed or static. It's designed to flex and, and work together. So that's part of the changes taking place. Up until now, we've seen most of the world look at the Western church. How marvelous is the Western church, you know, the great white missionary, all that sort of stuff. But we've become the logjam to what God wants to do internationally. And I sense that what's happened and been happening now is the days of the great white missionary historic. They've gone, they've flushed by, you know, the, the missionaries with the, the long noses, the blue eyes, the white skin, um, you know, the blonde hair. That's all historic, you know. Yes, we will still still do mission, or the old gingers, there's ginger-haired ones as well, you know. Um, the thing is, there's a partnership globally taking place now. And what the Western church has to do more intentionally with post-COVID is step right away from some of our partnerships so the emerging church can step up to the plate and learn to bat by themselves. We can still be um, in the grandstands cheering and supporting and saying, yeah, you can do this. We can motivate. And that's part of the change taking place. So the Western church, the days of the great white missionary, historic, it's over and done with. If you've ever done any mission training, you'll see this um, take place. We go out, we pioneer, we establish a work. And as that prospers and it grows, it goes to a new level of maturity where there's like a more of a parent and a child relationship kicking in and then you go beyond that and you've got this partnership taking place. What's happened over the last probably 20 years, missionally, there's been these partnership dynamics taking place where the Western church and the emerging church has actually worked shoulder to shoulder on the plough together doing global mission together. But after a period of time, that has to go to another level. So the the older, more mature missionaries normally have to step away so the emerging church can actually step up to the plate and do the church by themselves. You know, we see this in our families. We, we grow our children, they come up, they get to be teenagers, they become adults, they still lean on us as parents, but at some stage as parents we've got to step away so they can actually rise up and actually function by themselves. So globally what's happening post-COVID is that the emerging church is taking the reins themselves, they've been empowered, and we've got to say, come on, guys, you can do it. Step up. Keep on. Don't give up. Keep on going. So this is part of the change taking place. But I say this with a, um, and I say this in a, um, 
in true perspective that, yeah, the Western church will still do mission. We won't give up. And there will still be this aspect of the church going out and doing mission. We will still do the, um, do the, uh, the initial work. We will encourage. We'll have the Timothys and the Tituses, and we'll release these guys as time goes on. But across the broad spectrum of the church, yes, we'll be saying, come on, you guys, you've now got the reins. You can do it. You're taking over. Now, we will support you, and we can go off and do other new things and step up for that. But the thing is, in this transition time, I, I've said to a lot of my overseas missionaries, what would happen if a crisis was to take place and these blank, blank faces look at me? I said, what would happen if the missionaries here were to have their passports taken back, their visas ripped out, or they couldn't gain re-entry to your country? And they sort of look at me with glassy eyes, and I think, anything's possible. You could have a war, you could have a crisis, something will happen, and the missionaries that lead this organisation won't be here, what will you do? Oh, you know, I said, the missionary could drive out of here, down the road, and get hit by a logging truck. Dead. What would you do? Oh, I don't know. I said, you've got to have succession planning. What's going to happen in this ministry if you don't have a succession plan? So a lot of these missionary bases that I've been working with, they've now got the local workers standing up, responding, and positioned on paper, and they're now taking the role themselves. So the wishing, the missionary, the, the missionaries overseas have now disappeared. They're probably wishing that I get back there. Like I am. I've actually had five international trips cancelled this year. I feel like a duck out of water. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's like I'm so frustrated. I want to be back on Pontus and doing all those things and, and doing all that sort of stuff. But these guys are now taking the reins themselves. Um, they are encouraged. They've been trained. And they're actually creating room for the emerging generations beyond them to actually take their old roles as well. So this maturing church is stepping up. And so what, go back to that first slide if you could, Sam. Um, back one. You can't go back with this one here. So it's always been about the empowerment of the indigenous church, the emerging church from, you know, Paul did it. Um, and for the last 28, 29 years, while I've been doing Great Commission, whenever I've gone out, this is what it's been. We are empowering the indigenous church. This is in northern Thailand, I think, 28, 29 years ago. Uh, they knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. So our objective for three years was to go in and teach them about the Holy Spirit. It changed the life of the church. They, they stepped up, they became robust in faith, and they were starting to do church planting, and, and they were doing phenomenal things. I'm this guy second from the left there with a beard, little short guy. Um, not the short guy in the front, but the short guy at the back there. It's always been about empowerment. And as we've gone out, we've church planted, we've done leadership development, we've established orphanages, a horticulture, we've um, stepped into prostitution, recovery, helped out there, but it's always been about empowerment. Post-COVID, that will continue on. That's all part of Mission Global. But what we're doing now is stepping out and letting the local church take hold of the, the roles and responsibilities so they can actually function. It's part of moving on. Um, and so this is just a Northern Thailand, the Karen people. You know, we go into places literally across swing bridges. No power. There's one solar... Um, battery-powered generator so that if the Myanmar or the Laotian people were to invade, they can call up the, uh, the military so they can send their helicopters and things in. You know, it really is going back into like pioneer territory. That was 25-odd you know, years ago. But the thing is, ever since day one, God has had a problem. You know, mankind on this planet, Adam and Eve, there was a problem. And the fall of man took place. Yeah, that was a problem. God had a problem. But God just didn't trash mankind. He said, I've got the answer. And the answer has always been men and women who love God stepping into the gap, 
declaring God's message to humanity. Nothing has changed. All the way through Bible history, right through to Babel, we see this taking place. But man and woman working together has been good. In unity, they've been able to accomplish so much. But what happens when they say, I'm not going to do this all by myself. I'm going to become um, the kingpin. You know, all the glory, all the, the proud, pr pride starts to kick in. And God says, I don't want that. So God still has a problem, but he's also had people stepping in and saying, I'm going to respond. I'm going to declare God's faithfulness. I'm going to, going to be an ambassador for God. I'm going to declare his message to mankind. And so missions has always been in the Bible since day one. It's from cover to cover of the Bible. Nothing has changed. Um, the thing is, we always have to adapt with the changes that are taking place in each generation. Each crisis will take place. This is what uh, Hudson Taylor says, James Hudson Taylor. He said, the Great Commission isn't an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. Post-COVID, nothing's changed. The Great Commission still is a command to be obeyed. Never let it be said that um, we don't have to do missions. One of the pastors I'm working with just, was just about crying the other day when he spoke to me. He said, look, I've had the denominational magazine come out and they, they were um, saying that um, missions now in the local church just has to be local. The international scene isn't relevant anymore. And it's like, what? You know? And he was... He was saying, they've put this in this, this international magazine. Crazy. The Great Commission still has to be the, the priority of the church. You know, Viv is doing local missions here. Phenomenal. You know, why? Hearing God's command, not just hearing, stepping out, irrespective of the cost, and doing something. Uh, Arwen, Curtis, traveling, you know, big step of faith, literally, uh, doing what they're doing. Uh, Local missions is still important. You know, what Georgie's been doing um, through the prison ministries and through, the, through music, important. Richard Brunton this morning down in the Hope Centre, I think, in Wellington. Big church. You know, local ministry, it's all about mission. This church will unapologetically do mission. It may look a little bit different. We will adapt with the times. We'll change with the time. But the forefront, this will be a missional church. It has to be a missional church. You know, let's go to our Bible this morning. You might have one with you. You might have an electronic one. Uh, a virtual one will be on the screen here, I guess. But Acts 16, let's look at the mission of the church in transition. And so what's actually happened up until now, Paul and Barnabas have gone out and done, done mission. They've been to Antioch. They've, they, they've done their first missionary journey. And then it was like, a change was taking place, and they were moving on out. And picking up in um, verse 8 uh, of uh, Acts 16, Paul and Silas travelled through the area of Pi, Pi, something or rather, and Galatia, which was northern Turkey, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word of God in the province of Asia at the time. Why does the word of God say the Holy, the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the, the word of God in Asia at the time? You know, it's like Asia's got a lot of people in. They're all dying. They're all going to hell. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit had blocked them going into Asia. He had a door shut to them, but he was going to open another door at another place. And then verse 7, it says this, Then coming to the borders of Maestra, they headed north to the province of Bithynia, which was northern Turkey. Uh, but again, Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Instead, they went to Maestra and then to the seaport of uh, Troas. So why again did the Holy Spirit block them from going into what seemed to be a, a natural field of harvest? These two gentlemen, missionaries, learned to adapt, listen, and change with the season. They were guided by God's Holy Spirit. One door will shut, but I can guarantee another door will open. And packing up in verse 9, it says this, um, 
that night, and what had actually happened, they had a whole lot of opposition come their way, you know, and so much so that they were landed in prison. And so this is verse 9. That night Paul had a vision, and a man from Macedonia, northern Greece, was standing there pleading with him to come over to Macedonia uh, for their help. And so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, leaving and concluding that God is calling us to preach the good news there. Many people are getting visions and dreams still. Pastor James referred to it earlier in the service. You know, he's going to be speaking about it tonight. There's dreams that God has deposited in your heart for a reason. It's not for your benefit. It's for um, his benefit working in partnership with you. And I believe there's lots of um, unprocessed dreams that God is, going, is still incubating, but your day will come. And I also believe that this is a season where God is going to give fresh dreams, fresh vision, fresh prophetic directive for you, and a lot of it's actually going to be based missionally. Why did Curtis and Arwen, you know, throw in their jobs with good incomes and step out in faith? Go figure. You know, most people don't want to do that. It's, it's too costly. But we've got people in the church that have uh, left their jobs. They've gone to Bible school. Um, Pastor Sue, she's been leading mission agencies um, in Northern Europe. It's costly, but it's part of being led by the Holy Spirit. And whatever you do, respond to the vision and the directive of the Holy Spirit. God has given you a vision, own up to it, pray it through, and see what happens. And I just sense that there's going to be a fresh outlet of those visions and dreams sooner than later in this season we're actually in. And then jumping down a little bit further, we've got the situation where um, they'd gone and they'd been into Philippi, they were preaching, they went down to the river, they were preaching there, and there was this woman called Lydia. And let's pick this up in uh, verse 14. And it said, one of them, Lydia from Thyatira, who was a merchant of expensive purple cloth, who worshipped God, as she was listening to us, the Lord opened up her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying and, and her whole household were baptised. Amazing situation. This woman loved God. She was a godly uh, businesswoman. Uh, God was blessing her. But there was a progressive revelation which Paul had brought at the time. She understood what it was. She was baptised. She went to a new level. And she entered into a new phase of um, her, her life and ministry. Globally, there's still people that need to hear this message. They need to go to another level to understand that there's more of God. The Holy Spirit is introduced to them. They can respond to that. We can be champions for that. We can be like Paul going into situations, providing that revelation. This woman, Lydia, you know, she was a business person. I know globally there's businessmen and women all across the planet and in our nation that are going to be keys to this next phase of what God is doing missionally and also in the church. They've got resources that you and I don't have, but they are conduits of God, those resources. Yes, their hearts are going to be open. Their wallets are going to be open. Their facilities will be open. I can give you testimony after testimony today, but I don't have time for that. But these men and women are going to be set apart for mission. And they're just, they're just going to be conduits to be able to pass that blessing on locally and also internationally. So it's part of what's going on. And as, as we understand, opposition came. Um, Paul was in prison. And this is picking up. I'm trying to uh, fast track a lot of things here. Uh, verse 25 says this. Around about midnight, Silas and uh, Paul were in prison praying, singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were actually listening. You know, and so what would they be listening to? Hearing these songs, their faith would have been built, uh, built up. Then suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to the foundations. All the doors were immediately flown open. The chains fell off every prisoner. Wow, this is amazing. And the jailer woke up and seeing the prison doors wide open, he assumed that the prisoners had escaped. 
So he drew his uh, sword out and he was going to kill himself. And Paul shouted out, stop, don't do that. Uh, you know, uh, we're all here. You know. But what happened? A miracle had taken place. God knew what was happening. Um, the chains fell off, an earthquake had taken place. I am so persuaded there's going to be more and more and more miracles taking place. There's chains that are binding people, you know, emotionally, physically, um, religiously. They're going to be broken off people. And it's not going to have to be um, a debate. There's just going to be something happening in the spirit, you know. Like there are people listening this morning um, on the, on the, um, the video cast and the iPod cast that are in prison. Chains are going to fall off emotionally, physically. They're going to be liberated and they're going to come into a new place. The best place is going to be salvation because they're locked in sin and the chains of sin are going to fall off them and they're going to have their names written into the Lamb's Book of Life and they're going to have eternal separation. They're not going to have eternal punishment. They're going to have a life that as God's called them into be. It's part of this liberation that's taking place. You know, miracles as part of the journey of the church has been from day one it will continue it will never cease and i just sense it's going to happen more and more and more in living waters in borneo we've actually got a couple of signs as you actually come into the uh to the area there and it says this beware you're entering a miracle zone proceed at your own risk seriously and this is a place where miracles happen pretty much day on day out um, sometimes it's healing, it's provision. We've got this base where there's about 800 people on site. You've got to feed 800 people uh, three times a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's a big thing in its own right. But miracles are taking place. But God has given vision, he's given directive for us to, to build for the future. One of, one of the things was to actually build healthcare facilities. And so we've got like... Um, a primary medical centre. This is the building up on the bottom here in the green. It's called uh, Lucas House after Dr. Luke um, in the Bible. And it's a dental facility. The facilities are probably far better than any uh, shore care or uh, White Cross facility we have here in New Zealand. You know, there's x-ray facilities, there's examination rooms, it's clean, it's light. Um, it's, it's a brilliant facility, but it's only stage one. And how that got established is because, because in um, Europe, people were hearing about what was happening there, and they just wanted to invest. And so they sent this um, TV crew out from Belgium, and they, they, they showed literally not their own nation, but the world, what was happening there. And all this money just started to, like an avalanche, was just uh, rolling in to support this. And people say, how does it happen? Well, it's a miracle. Never let money block mission. You know, the, the missionaries and pastors I work with, you know, I say, what would a partnership look like in mission if money wasn't part of the equation? And they look at me thinking, well, probably it wouldn't be a partnership. Part of this new phase is mission without money because we have to have the emerging church standing on their own two feet because up until now, they've always looked to the Western church with a handout looking for money. It's like this big umbilical cord going to the West looking for resourcing. So if a war came, we have global recession or um, worse than that, where it's like the Great Depression, you know, and the finances were axed, all these missions would probably fall over because they're always looking to the West for the resource. They shouldn't be looking to the West for a resource. They should be looking to God for the resource, for the initi initiatives to actually be self-sustaining and self-funding, not on this crutch of this Western church. This is part of the change that's actually taking place. Um, so 
Miracles beware. In the process of vision and directive, this medical clinic is only part of what we're doing. Right now, while COVID's going on, we've got bulldozers leveling off um, an area for a hospital. This is going to be a general hospital with orthopedics and all sorts of things happening there. We've got young people that are in medical school training as nurses, as doctors, as surgeons right now, and dentists. Because there's no one within about a 2,000 kilometer area that can go to a reliable hospital. If they went to a hospital, they'd probably die there. That's how bad it is. So we've got this facility, but God's saying, I want more from you. So we're actually leveling out this big area where we can not just have a helipad, but we can actually have an airfield so we can medevac people in and out. Awesome. It's, like, it's like, wow, that's too big. God, if God says to do something, don't argue, just do it. But this is looking to the future post-COVID. Things will be different, but they won't be leaning on the Western church to do it. They'll be standing on their own two feet doing it in their own way for a different reason. One of the young guys I've been working with is called um, Onki. Um, I've known him for about 25 years now, and I've been mentoring through this journey. He's been like one of my Tituses or Timothys. Great guy. And he said, Phil, we've got all these problems that are taking place post-COVID. What problems, Onki? Oh, people are getting saved. I said, that's not a problem. He said, you don't know how many people are getting saved. He said, all these Hindu people are getting saved. All these Islamic people are getting saved. But the government says we can't come to church and meet. And so we are telling the people to meet in these little small life groups. You know, there's about 10 or 15 or 20 people come. They say 10, but 20 people come. But all these people come. And he said, it's not one. It's all these several. It's all over our city. How do I train them? We said it's through the, through the screen, through the computer. And so what he's doing now is online discipleship to all these literally dozens of uh, young converts popping up, but it's going beyond that. And he said to me the other day, he said, Pastor Phil, you know when we were in uh, Borneo in March, he said, we, I had all these pastors come to me and said, can you be my mentor? And he said, I know about that because they came to me. And I said, don't come to me. I said, you need to go to Anki. I said, I live in New Zealand miles away. And I, I said, I don't know enough of your language to talk to you, but Anki does. And so he's getting all these requests for Anki to mentor this emerging generation. And he's doing it through multimedia and through um, the techno stuff, which I don't know anything about, which he does and he loves. All, all power to him. He said to me, Phil, I've got this next guy here. You'll see him come up. His name is called Apranas. And he never went to secondary school. He never went to university. He just barely finished primary school. And so he, he came from one side of the city, about an hour and a half drive every Sunday to church. And he said, I can't do it with COVID. And Anki said, just hang out in your own area and just invite people to come to your place. And he said, I've got a problem, Pastor. He said, what is that? They're all coming. He said, well, how many? They're all coming. There's too many people from my home. And, and he said, what do I do? He said, well, start another group. And so they did that. And so I said, how many groups? And he said, oh, there's seven. How many are in there? He said, oh, about 12 or 20 in each group. I don't know myself, but there's lots of people coming. So I'm trying to disciple them through this online teaching thing. But this young guy, you know, I said, how did he do it? He just stepped out in faith. You know, He's a young guy without formal qualifications, but the church is still alive. It is still well. It's still robust. And believe it or not, they're doing things that we can't even do. Again, you know, go figure. But it's part of this journey. And so what actually happened, um, this is actually between April and August, by the way, that's only four or five months. You know, it's around about 95, 100 people. Uh, new converts, you know, raw converts. What a messy situation. But church is always about messy situations like that. You know, it's amazing. I said, tell me some more. And he said, well, this young guy, he goes to this rubbish recycling area. It's called a rubbish tip here, by the way. You know, I've actually been to these, these places before. 
they've asked me to go and minister, and I'm thinking, do I, don't I, do I, don't I? Because medically, I'm thinking all the germs, all the infection, all that sort of stuff, and I know that I've got to have to pack my bags and be on a plane out of the country, and I know I have to go through border um, security and the dogs smelling everything, and I said... They said, Pastor, don't worry, we'll give you clothes to wear, you can um, change and uh, your dogs won't be upset and we'll dispose of the clothes. And really, it, it's, it's stinky. And so they're recycling bottles and tin and metal and, and even the food, you know, from the restaurants goes into places for feeding the pigs. You know, it's, it's smelly, dirty. And so there they've got all these people getting saved, you know, and discipled. You know, they don't, their, their home is like a tarpaulin. That's it. You know, nothing much there. And so this businessman who was there, sort of, because he, he's benefiting from this recycling stuff, he said, I've got a problem. I've got my daughter, um, who, she's got this big ankle. Um, we've been to the doctors, they can't do anything. We've been to the witch doctors, they've, they've uh, uh, tried praying for her, but the curse gets worse. But we've come to Aprianus, he prays, and instantly, you know, healed, you know. Whoa, you know. He said, what can I do for you? And pastor's thinking, well... I've got all these people on the far side of Denpasar. I'm trying to look after my church on this side of the city. And I've got all these people, you know, an hour and a half drive on the other side of the town. I really need a building for these people. And so literally what's happened, um, top there, you've got this brand new facility that this businessman has given to this mission. There's only one caveat, that after they leave, they've got to sweep the floor and the place has to be clean. Not a big ask, is it? But the thing is, this businessman has provided this facility. They've had multiple baptisms take place. The church is still alive and still well. You know, post-COVID, you know, God is still on his throne. There's still a job to be done. We've got empowered people stepping out in faith, doing what God calls them to do. Our role is to say, come on, you can do this. So I'm doing this with Anki, saying, come on, let's step up to the new level. Let's be supportive of what is going on. It's part of this journey that is ahead. Um, I get excited. You know, in March, I got a call from Chris saying, uh, COVID's breaking out. They say you've got to be get back to New Zealand as quickly as possible. So I'm trying to finish off the seminar where we had around about 190 pastors, church planting people there. And I'm getting this message saying, hi, honey, uh, can you get home real quick? And I'm thinking, you don't understand. I've got the seminar that I'm trying to finish. And, and what I did, I actually empowered my three team members, local people, to do most of the preaching. I'm stepping back to give them not a platform, but a place of position to take the leading role. And so in this, Chris is saying, could you come home, honey? Can you come home, honey? Okay, I'm coming home. Next day, are you coming home? Are you coming home? I've got one more day. I'll, then I'll be planning. So anyway, I, I changed my schedule. I had nine flight changes to get out of central Borneo to get back to New Zealand. And I came in just as the borders were shutting down. The thing is, missions are still in front of me. It's still in my heart. Nothing will change. And I think it's going to be infectious. Whoever I meet is, is still going to hear about mission. The church is still going to be alive and well. You know, I, I've got this, these teams of people. This guy here, he's been coming to seminar. He's doing multiple church plants. You know, they're set apart. They can go to places which we will never go as Western missionaries. They go up uh, logging trucks and walk for miles, and they've got all these churches. Uh, and it's about families. You know, this is typical, you know, five people on one small motorcycle. You know, the next slide here, you'll see something. This guy here, I met about five years ago, and I said, Pastor, how many churches do you have? And he said, Satu. Park. It's basically one pastor. And I said, Luggy, Luggy, Upper Luggy, which means basically, are there any more? Are there any more? And he said, Oh, okay. So I met him, and now there's actually nine churches being planted over five years. 
And I said to him in March, just before I was leaving, I said, uh, uh, how many more churches uh, have you got? And he said, uh, Luggy Lima Park, Luggy Lima Park, which basically is five more, Pastor, pa- five more. And he's just rolling his sleeves up. He wants to get stuck in and do the job. It's part of a church and life and well doing mission. Thing is, as a church, we are a church outward bound. Uh, there's nothing going to limit us. COVID will try and give us a little bit of a hiccup. And that's all it will be. It will be a hiccup. Uh, our role is to support and encourage what's taking place globally in India and in Fiji, wherever we go, um, in, um, in, in Western Europe, in Eastern Europe, Central Europe, uh, what Stuart's doing in, uh, overseas there, is to partner with the church in a different way to empower the emerging church. We have to plan for succession planning for established missions. The thing is, missionally, it's always about getting people saved. You know, people are here in this auditorium this morning. People are listening online. It's all about people getting saved. Now, I don't know if everyone in this auditorium is saved or not. I can never assume that. And so as we close the service this morning, can I just ask that your heads will be bowed? People listening online, I'm aware of your situations as well. The Holy Spirit is nibbling away at you, at your conscience. And you know that if you were to die, and you will die, that your soul will be separated from the living God. You'll be separated from him, and you'll be punished for what you're doing. God has always had a problem with sin, but he's always had an answer. And he's giving you a lifeline this morning. And the lifeline is to accept Jesus Christ as your Redeemer. And as you accept him into your heart, your lifestyle will start to change. But the most important thing is, you'll be separated for eternity. You'll be on the Lord's side, living with him and hopefully serving him. So this morning, if that's you, you know that you've never given your heart or life to the Lord. Just lift your head. Let me see if you're online. You know your situation. And the prayer request that you've got to then make is, Lord, redeem me. Will you save me? Will you come into my life? Will you change my life? So is anyone in this auditorium that I can see that's never made that decision? You know, as a missionary, we can go to all sorts of places on this planet to get one soul saved. But if you're in this building this morning, it's all about mission. It's all about you having a heart for the Lord. Now, I don't see that this morning in-house. In but online, I know that's a situation. The prayer is very simple. Lord, I want to give my heart to you this morning or tonight if you're watching it delayed. I will do this right now. Come into my life. Help me li- live a life for you for eternity. And it's a simple prayer. It's not complex. It's not rocket scientist uh, material. You can do that. I'm also aware this morning that God has given visions and dreams to many of us. And those visions and dreams have not been a reality yet. You've never seen them expressed. Some are called to be part of um, children's works overseas. That's never happened. And it's not saying it will never happen. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of repositioning rescheduling your life for that. I'm going to hand back to Pastor James now. So God bless you. If you haven't had a chance to take this all in, this will be online next week for you to try and uh, reprocess. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. (laughs)